0: Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and literally around the world, this is your host, hopefully one of your favorite deplorable brothers, David J. Harris Jr., and I have an amazing show for you all today. Thank you so much for choosing to spend a little bit of your day with me as I break down the truth, the news that's not drenched in liberal bias. It's unadulterated, it's raw, it's real. And it's more important than ever that we all get the truth. Today's broadcast is brought to you by my good friend, Mike Lindell's company, My Pillow. Friends, if you need to sleep well, if you want to feel good while you're sleeping, you've got to try Mike Lindell's pillows or his sheets or his mattress topper. I have all of those. My wife absolutely loves his sheets, as do I. There's nothing I love more than actually feeling comfortable, just that you feel so good and cool while you're sleeping. His new Giza sheets are absolutely amazing. Use the promo code David, that's my name, David, when you make your order at MyPillow.com and you can save up to 60%. Yes, Mike Lindell gave a special promo code for me, for you, my audience. So you can save up to 60%, need new pillows, need sheets, want to give your mattress a makeover, get that pillow topper, that mattress topper, just use the code David and you'll save up to 60%. So let's get into my show today. Today, friends, I have the honor and the privilege of having somebody on my show today that I get to call friend. I originally met him at uh, Liberty University at the founding for the Falkirk Center for faith and freedom and liberty, he heard a part of my story, heard what I had to share, and he said, "Man, I've got to introduce you to another good friend of mine, which was Mike Lindell. We'll talk about that a little bit in a, in a bit as well. He is an amazing individual, has an incredible story of his own. He's played the he played in the NFL. He played for the New York Giants. He played for the Minnesota Vikings." That's why Mike Lindell took such a liking to him. He was a superstar over there, also played with for the Eagles and the Cardinals. But I think his greatest achievements have been uh, in these last couple of years and especially this last year, even months, he has been all over the news sharing his support for why he believes in President Donald Trump and his policies. It is my privilege to bring on the show with me today, my good friend, Jack Brewer. Jack, my brother, how are you doing today? Man, I'm blessed, man.
1: So good to see you on the other side of the screen.
0: Yeah, I know we've been trying to make this happen for a while. I think originally I wanted to bring you on to get some of the response that you had for the individuals that were calling you out, calling you an Uncle Tom, calling you a sellout to your own race, to your own people, when they obviously have no idea who you are or what you've done. You've done a lot of philanthropy work and helped a lot of Black children in our United States and abroad in Africa. And they yet because you decided to come out and show your support for this president, they wanted to label you a sellout. Why don't you just share with my audience some of what you've done before I get into your fatherhood initiative and your recent invitation and trip to see uh, to the White House to meet with Jared Kushner? Why don't you just share with my audience a little bit of what you've done, your background in your philanthropy in, in your philanthropy work? Brother, I tell you, man, I
1: um, I was raised by a mom who was very spiritual. You know, most of my blessings came from her prayers. She was always on her knees over me. And, and so she always instilled in me, man, to be a servant, be a servant leader, to be a citizen that that wanted to go out and, and actually help people like Jesus told us to do. And so I really try to live my entire life like that, man. I You know, I, I dedicate the majority of my time literally to whether it's coaching and to to the orphanages that we support, uh, to the initiatives that we do in the inner cities. And I've done that, you know, all my adult life. I really have. I poured uh my own money in, I poured my time and resources. And, you know, God's been blessed me to be able to galvanize people bring them together. Been able to take, you know, I've took, I've taken a hundred people at one time to Haiti uh, to go bring relief. Uh, to those folks, and I've uh, been able to to support over 35 orphanages, which I do ongoing. Our projects feed about 15,000 kids every day, and we do that wow. uh, in some of the poorest parts of the world. You know, Malawi, Africa, and villages where people are living off of less than a dollar a day. The majority of folks don't have access to, uh, to clean water and food on a daily basis, and they're living with 94 percent of the population with no electricity uh, in their villages, and so. Uh, these people are in abject poverty and these people are black. And I just I've dedicated a big portion of my life to to bring them resources as much as I can. And then you look out and 90 minutes from our border is Haiti, a place that's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, and so I run ongoing programs. I partner with my brother, Tony Sanna, uh, to help about 650 kids in the in the worst project in Haiti. We feed them every day. We get them involved in sports and try to give them hope. Uh, we also have two orphanages there in Haiti where we push skills, job skills. We, we have our own job training program. Just recently opened a restaurant for the kids to learn how to run a restaurant and work in so we can start to become wow. self-sustaining. Yeah, man, we, uh, we also have a big farm. So we teach all of our kids farming and they, they grow their own food to be able to eat. And that's what you have to do. You have to teach sustainability, but you got to meet people where they are. You know, we can't put the same programs into a place like Haiti or Malawi that we put into America. And so through my experiences and through my years of of, of hands-on development work, you know, I've really learned how to navigate through those waters and ha- trying to create uh, opportunity and identifying real uh, injustices and issues that people are facing. And so all in all, man, it's given me an appreciation for this country. And every time I'm I, I wake up and I can raise kids that can go out and play on nice fields and go to go to free schools and have access to so much.
0: It really has given me a deep, deep appreciation for the United States. It's pretty unbelievable to me, yet it's believable the way the left and especially the hate that we received as being conservatives. And I think even more so just really championing the vision and message that I believe Donald Trump has as president. He's done so much for the black community, yet so much of the liberal mainstream media that a lot of the black community listens to the MSNBC, the CNN. They don't hear about the truths. They don't hear about the facts of what he's done. And they've so, so much hate comes from, from unfortunately, from a lot of people, but especially the black community and entertainers, you know, sports figures. You've got LeBron James that talks trash. You've got Snoop Dogg that called us all a bunch of coons and said we're part of the Coon Bunch, when it's like, if they were to actually line up what they've done for specifically the black community in this country or or elsewhere, it wouldn't hold a candle to what you've done. For, for the most part, I don't think it would hold a candle at all. Yet they're so quick to try to just pass us off as, as sellouts or Uncle Toms. How do you deal with that kind of hate when it comes at you, especially from some of these more prominent, you know, so-called elite figures? that the world sees and just seems to believe what they say as gospel. How do you personally deal with that kind of hate when it comes to you? Man, that's a great question, you know, because sometimes it's challenging. When, when, I, when
1: I'm in the flesh and, they, and hear, hearing words starts to kind of, you know, get you angry, I always take it back to, to what I learned in the Bible. And that's, not, and that's fighting these spiritual battles, not with flesh and blood, but in the Holy Spirit. And so that's really, for me, I put on that full armor of Christ and I put my faith in him. And then as I do that, I start to be able to analyze my enemies, right? And then I pray for them because I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for a Snoop Dogg who has to lay his head down every night knowing he's representing the same gang warfare that is killing our kids in the communities across America. I feel sorry for his soul because clearly he hadn't repented for that if he was to go out and attack someone like myself uh, when he's actually promoting the devilish hate going on in our streets. Right. You, you look at all these people, the ice cubes with the NW N, NWA rapping and, and putting all this yeah. hateful stuff into our kids ears. But yet they call us sellouts. You know, the left mm-hmm. has made a habit out of doing this. If you look, look at everything that they claim to stand against. Most of it are the exact policies that they put in place themselves. Right. You talk about that. They talk about, oh, we need more opportunity in education. But every single one of them has been against school choice. So they don't want these kids to actually have opportunities. What they want is the votes from the teachers union. And so they try to disguise every single policy issue that they try to push. Right. They say, oh, we want police reform. But the same mayors, the same attorney generals, whether it's Minnesota or Seattle or any other city you see, all those attorney generals are Democrats. And all of them have have had the opportunity to hold Bad police officers accountable. But no, they don't want to do that. They want to take the easy road. They want to align themselves on the side of unions so that they can take the the money in for their donations. And then they want to blame the actual results on President Trump. Because he actually stands for police officers, which the majority are, ama- are amazing uh, law enforcement officers that go out and protect us. So it's all a game that they play. And it's a sick game. Uh, and for me, I take it on by just understanding understanding my enemy. Praying for them first, but understanding that their spirits need help.
0: Yeah, there's always that unseen force. I'm obviously a huge proponent of of trying to expose that as well, that there's these unseen forces. I mean, I I say, think about it like this. If you had 10 people around you, 24 hours a day speaking to you, but you couldn't see them and all you did was hear them and think it was your own thoughts, that could greatly influence your decisions and your actions. And that's what I see happening with these individuals that, uh, that are on the wrong side of history. And uh, we gotta pray for them because yeah. they're they're lost, they're deceived. You know they're they're fighting against everything that they, they should be fighting for. You know they want to call us sellouts and and traitors. You bringing up the kind of lifestyle that they've promoted in their music. You know, if anything, these rap artists are are literally the most responsible for the carnage and the black on black crime that we that exists in our country today. Definitely. And it's sad,
1: man, that I mean, just listen to what you said. And it's like you look at a place like Chicago when you see 50, 60, even one weekend, 104 people shot in a weekend. And to think that the vast majority of that violence is gang on gang fighting over over turf war. Right. So how can you go on and and, and talk about gang signs and talk about gang banging, rapping to these kids when you know that the majority of our kids are fatherless? But how they talk in their music, they talk about baby mamas and they talk about uh, women outside of their names. How are we going to respect our moms? Of course, men are staying with them because we're raising kids, not to respect their, their parents. And then you take yeah. that even even deeper. You look at every racial disparity in the United States of America. And it stems back to the fact that we don't have fathers in the homes and and it, and you yeah. you don't have to look any farther. Education, 71 percent of kids. Uh, that drop out of high school are fatherless, uh, right? You look at healthcare and poverty rates. You're six times more likely to be in poverty if you're fatherless. You look at incarceration. You talk about police reform. Who's having to run-in with the cops? Well, it's the fatherless kids. And how do we? Uh, and, and how do we know that? Because you're 20 times more likely to go to prison if you're fatherless. And so, if we're looking around for the answers, we know what they are. We've created a generation. That has removed the father. And like you said, the Snoop dogs, the ice cubes and these cats who think they're virtuous, uh, who talk down upon black conservatives that actually want to establish, you know, Christian values and godly principles within our kids. But were they Uncle Tom? These guys are a joke.
0: Yeah, uh, you outline extremely well in the initiative that you just were able to present to Jared Kushner. And I really hope that that gets directly to POTUS. I really hope it and I believe that it will. I know you had the opportunity. You were on the uh, the board in Dallas for that uh, meeting we had a month or so ago. You shared some very passionate words, so much support for this president, but said we can do more. It was challenging. It was a challenge literally to the president and said we can do, do more I read through your initiative. I think it's absolutely a must read, a must see, and must implement the The fact that you, you, you talk about fatherlessness, the national crisis fueling racial disparities. So much tension is in our country right now, race pit against race, which is biblical. We can come back to that later. But so much is being put on racial disparities in our country right now when you believe you isolated you found the issue which is if we turn it into a solution for the issue it solves the problem of those racial disparities but i truly believe that fatherlessness is the national crisis fueling racial disparities right now in our country and you've got several different aspects of it you 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 go you talk about promoting fatherhood uh in america why don't you just break down some of the key points of this initiative that you were able to give to Jared Kushner literally just two days ago. Right. We were in D.C. together. I think it was Wednesday that you had a chance or Tuesday. You had a chance to meet with Jared. Why don't you break down some of the uh, some of the key points of that initiative? Uh,
1: certainly, man. It's, uh, it's, it's deep. You know, I've uh, I told you about a little bit of my work that I've done in communities. But what I had mentioned is my work in the prisons and in the inner cities. And so I've, I've really been collecting this data and trying to deeply understand where these racial issues came, because I must admit, I used to be a Democrat and I used to have the same thinking that a lot of these people do. So I understand where they're coming from. It's deeply ingrained in them And so for me, I was always blaming race on anything that I could see and touch. Right. So if it was someone's words, then I fixate oh this guy's racist because of what he says. They're not giving me an opportunity because I'm black. They're not helping out Black people because of their the skin color or because of who they see. And the entire time, I was actually ignoring the root issue. And I wasn't that I was mm-hmm. ignoring it. I was just unaware to it. But you start right. spending time in the inner city schools. And I ran a, I ran a youth program that I started. To, I'm sorry. I ran a, a parenting program within our youth program that I started two years ago. And literally, it was 100% Black. But the moms were begging for fathers. And you hear Mm -hmm. the issue that they have at home and all of them go back to the fact that there was really no like enforcer in their house and the mom's trying to work two jobs and, you know, or grandma's raising a kid. And like, you started to see that. And then fast forward, you know, a year and a half ago, I started my prison program, which is a a faith-based business and leadership program. And I go into these prisons and start teaching these men and the majority of them don't have dads. And and like, it was, started to feel like, like I was trying to become a mentor, like a father figure would be for them, you know? And you, you know, you can feel that I'm a, I'm a father of four. And so like, and I I coach a lot of kids. So I understand how, how that feels. I've mentored guys throughout the NFL locker rooms and what have you. So I I just felt that and you kind of feel it and it it makes you get really sad, man. Uh, When you think of people Mm -hmm. that don't have that fatherly influence, you know, a lot of folks find that in sports. And so What I did is start. I started to research, starting off from a policy perspective, what has policy done in our nation to break up the home, break up the family and get rid of the father? Uh, And so you start anything from child support and you look at the child support laws in America and how um, you can have a father who is working 50, 60 hours a week, giving everything he can to his child. But then he's just so restricted on spending time with your child. Right. It's just yeah. it's, a, it's a challenge for a lot of dads to just get that quality time. Or hey, you can only go this every other weekend and this. So it's like you're not even balancing that out. So if a man has a child and he's not with the mom, now all of a sudden the mom just gets her gets the kid more time because it's the mom and you cut the dad out. Why isn't that 50-50? You gotta ask yourself those questions. And then you look even deeper and peel it back and start to look at some of our entitlement programs and our welfare programs, and you'll notice that. Okay, so a woman has to have a certain income level to qualify. But if that same single parent, single mom in WIC or HUD or whatever program, if she were to get married or try to uh, uh, raise up a, a level where she wouldn't be so dependent on that on that aid, they immediately pull it from them. So there's no yeah. incentive for a woman to go and get married or build a family unit because the, their aid will be immediately pulled. So there's no there's yeah. no grace period, so to speak, where, you know, 12 or 24 months to let folks who are coming out of poverty now coming out of poverty. We don't give a grace period to those who are, who are trying to uplift themselves, but we allow someone right. just to stay at that level for their entire life. Uh, It it really, you know, you start thinking about the system in which the policies and what they have done uh, in the history of them. When you look, you know, after after the war on poverty and after all the laws were passed and they started literally knocking on doors, trying to find people to come in and take advantage of of these entitlements. You know, that's just not what America's about. And we have now you look, we have so many healthy people that make more money not working than they do working. Whether it's this, this new covid package that they just. Past, or if it's our entitlement program, some of these people are profiting from that. And so um, I really took some time to say, hey, let's start incentivizing the family. And, that, and I believe yeah. that we could go against a lot of the issues that are, are happening just around our entitlements. The next thing that I started to look at was our censorship. So in the U.S., we don't enforce our censorship laws. We just talked about the Snoop Dogs and the Ice Cubes and the Twenty One Savages and the Rick Rosses and all these black men who have become idols to our kids, but are, are talking nothing but death and violence into their ears. Why yeah. is that? Why? Why does not anyone monitor that? Why are? Why aren't these media companies held accountable when they're putting this mess into our minor kids? Now, if you're eighteen and up, you can listen to what you want, but we don't even yeah. enforce. We don't even enforce. The censorship laws that we have, even though we have 77 percent of black kids born out of wedlock. So we know we have a bunch of kids with no fathers, with no influence on top of them. But we're allowing these media companies to put whatever they want to in our ear. My my proposal, which
0: is for- really interesting. Hold, let me, Let me say something, which is really interesting, sorry. because I remember watching a TED talk and this gentleman was trying to expound and expose that the black community is the only community that has a genre of music hip hop literally was created by the black community that has a genre of music that is pro-murder pro-drugs pro-sleeping around pro-promiscuity pro-degrading women i mean there's no other music like that rock and roll's not like that country's not like that pop is is kind of becoming more like that it has but the whole hip-hop rap culture. And genre of music is literally like self-annihilation, teaching and promoting this way of life that now we're seeing it play out in the black community, right in our streets.
1: And you know, you 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 yeah. want ask yourself, who even knows how to make a Molotov cocktail, right? Why? Who? What? Why? Yeah. Who? How do you even do that? Like, where did you get that from? Like who even th- thinks about pulling out AK47 and shooting them out of cars and drive-by shooting they had a 6-year-old baby in a yeah. drive-by shooting in Chicago actually pulling the trigger can you imagine and i mean it's 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 we've gotten to the point where we're so lost and that's why my proposal is calling for just enforce the censorship laws that we have if you if you're a rapper and you make a song you it should you should be out there talking and letting people know you don't want anybody that's not 18 that can't handle hearing your your music you shouldn't want them listening to it why would you want to negatively affect an entire culture and so that's a big part of my proposal the third part of it is just calling for improvements in education but not the liberal mm-hmm. way not to give us right. more money I looked at it. I did an analysis. You look at the city of Baltimore, for example, where they graduate about 38 percent of their uh, black kids. Their reading levels are. If you saw the reading and math levels in Baltimore, I mean, they're so low, it's embarrassing. Their graduation levels are actually a little bit higher now, but they're padding that they're pushing kids out. You look at places like New York, even down here in Broward County, they're spending over twenty thousand dollars per year per kid on a public school education and failing these kids. my I, I pay $14,000 wow. a year for my son to go to a private school that he just registered for. And so you're telling me you're, you're, gonna, you're spending 30 30 to 40% more than you can get a private school education in every, all these public schools and you're not educating the kids? So what I'm calling for
0: unbelievable. is
1: unbelievable. We need to bridge the gap. At three thirty, yeah. when that when that bell rings, we should not be sending these fatherless kids to these homes that don't have anybody there and no support, while their their reading levels stay low. We need to establish after school programs that can help us address the fatherless issue that allows men like me and you, David, to go to a. Why can't we go once or, once a month or twice a month to a, a public school near us? And go teach a kid how to read or go and get involved into an after-school program. They make you jump through hoops if you went up to a, a public school right now. It's yeah. like they don't want you to yeah, do Yeah. So people want to help, and we they already have the money to do it. These kids should have a meal after school. These kids should have a tutor or someone that can help them with on their schoolwork. They're already spending the money. If they stop giving so much to the union and start giving it to the kids, we wouldn't have this issue that we have in our nation. It goes back to service. There's a reason why the Bible tells us and teaches us to serve the fatherless, to serve the widow and to, and to go visit and help those in prison. And that's because if you don't, You'll have the issues that we're watching in the streets all stem from fatherlessness and it stems from mass incarcerating black men across this country.
0: Man, this entire your entire initiative is so spot on. It's so necessary. And you said something that I I should have brought up earlier. But it's amazing to me that this is coming from the mind and heart of somebody that's been changed. I mean, I want to get into that, too. You had a pretty amazing revelation, spiritual awakening that took place yourself just in the last few years. I believe, just a few, a few right. years. Before that, you were raised Democrat. You voted Democrat. You actually created a fund for Obama in the NFL when you were playing for players to donate to Obama's campaign. You voted for him, I believe, in 08 and 12. Did you vote for him both times? Right. Yes, I did. So lifelong Democrat, supported Obama. When was it that you woke up that, or how did how did you feel, or when was it that you woke up and realized that Obama wasn't what we all hoped that he could have been, and could have, he could have been? When when was that? And then when did you decide to throw your hat in the ring in supporting the president?
1: You know, and it was tough for me, man. That was it was an emotional time for me. You know, I was raised, you know, like a lot of black folks are raised, man. If you're black, you're a Democrat, and if you yeah. are if you're black and a Republican, you're a sellout. I mean, I was raised like that, hardcore. You know, from family to friends, that my whole environment. And so for me, I put. So much energy in the Barack Obama. I mean, I literally memorized his speeches, and you know, "Yes, we can." I listened to his speech before I go to work, and gave me so much hope and inspiration. Uh, and so, I was wow. a big actor. Yeah, man. Like you said, I mean, I, I started the NFL players for Obama, and our and and, and you know, and ran that even. You know, when he opened his campaign office in 2007, his first campaign office in Minnesota, where I was living, I donated all the furniture for the office, I helped him open that office. And so I was all in. But what I thought, I thought I was was voting for a Christian man. You know, I really did. I thought I was voting for a man who's going to you know, stand up for the word of God. And I didn't realize his real policies, man. And, and you know, as it got to the second through the second term, I look back, and I'm like, man, he hadn't done anything. You know, criminal justice is always important to me. And I was like, you know, why would you keep locking up all these black men? Why? Why isn't he doing something? I mean, he changed the, the crack sentencing laws, but that wasn't enough. I mean, he had the House in the Senate. And I look back on education. You know, I've always been active in, in our education system. And I'm like, man, that's nothing's going on. You looked at his own city of Chicago, people killing each other. He never took Air Force One and landed in Chicago and called those uh, drug lords and those gangsters together and had a talk with him. He's a black, he's a black man. I know what he I would have done. I would have, yeah. I would have attacked that head on myself. I secret service would have went in there. We call a meeting. Y'all come to the hotel and let's talk <laughs> out. I mean, I'm just being real, but he never did yeah. that. And then yeah. 2014 comes and he changes the biblical definition of marriage. And I had to be done with it. That was like a wow. dagger in my heart. It was a dagger in my heart. And I just realized that, like, wow, man, this is not this is not the man that I thought he was. He was see sold his soul to sold his soul to the devil in my mind. And so after that, I was done. Uh, I really was. And, you know, Donald Trump came down that escalator in 2015. (laughs)
0: Before we get to Donald Trump coming down that escalator, you probably you probably raised quite a bit of money for Obama, too, didn't you?
1: I don't remember how much, but I know I was sending out emails and pushing and and talking
0: and, you know, the campaign people were talking to me. So did you did you at yeah. least get the opportunity to be invited to anything he was doing to meet him?
1: No, you had to pay for that.
0: Listen. Oh, man. You, you never got an invitation to the White House to meet him and you donated all the furniture for his campaign headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. It's the truth.
1: And David, now that you just you just brought something up and I got to say this. I was supposed to go meet him one time and they didn't let me in because I I I couldn't give thirty-six thousand dollars or whatever the maximum was. I think it was thirty-six or thirty-four thousand dollars, something like that. Wow. Oh man. They wrote one article about me uh in like the Obama website publication. They wrote an article about me and what I was doing and how I was helping out. That's about the only credit I got. I never got a letter signed, never got anything. Cause I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a part of that, that black elitist establishment that he kind of created around himself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you, your name didn't start with J and end with Z. it's right. You, you it's didn't right. have Beyonce on your side. 100%. And I definitely wasn't going to be out there promoting that garbage. You know me. Uh, even when I was in the world, I wasn't promoting the world of kids. You know what I'm saying? So it's
0: uh yeah pretty sad. So let's get to the escalator. And then I want to ask you how many times you've met the president. But go ahead. So the president's coming down the escalator, and your thoughts were? Man, my thoughts were... Man, I like this guy.
1: I just remembered him talking and I was like, man, I like because I always, you know, I always followed Trump and I worked on Wall Street, you know, some of my some of my, my business uh investments. I've had a couple of businesses that actually had had real estate um were 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 leasers of some of the space, uh office space. You know, you see Trump and you know, I New York was New York was was Trump. Uh and New York did a lot for me and brought me a lot of opportunities. So I was like, man, at this point in time, we need. Somebody who's going to stand up for American principles, who's going to stand up for businessmen. They're going to make decisions like a businessman. I mean, you look at the trade deals that we were in. You know, I worked on in finance, man. I worked on Wall Street for over a decade, and when you looked at the trade deals that we were in, I mean, you could tell that there was literally people in our government that had no experience at negotiating trade, at really negotiating deals or reading through contracts. So why, why are who makes decisions like that that put our country in a detriment? You know, you look even at yeah. security and all these wars. You know, people often forget Barack Obama dropped over 100,000 bombs during his presidency. He dropped wow. over 26,000 bombs his last year alone. Think about that. And, you, and, and this guy wins a Nobel Peace Prize. And so let's not, let's not get it twisted on, on really who he is and what his administration represents it doesn't represent me. And I, and I didn't know that at first I was blinded, um, I was fooled. Uh, and so when waking up to that and seeing Donald Trump come down an escalator brought me a lot of hope. Uh, and I told him this, man, he's, he still remains the only Republican that I've ever voted for. David, I was so torn because of my family and how I was raised. I literally yeah. voted for, I voted for Donald Trump as president and then all Democrats to make myself feel better. <laughs>
0: so you're the reason why we lost the house <laughs>
1: Well, hey you know what i hope so because that means this year we're gonna win it
0: <laughs> good there you go there you go hey really quickly i gotta i gotta say this because i know you you're the one that introduced me to mike lindell amazing man huge patriot loves the lord loves this country and do you have one of his do you have one of his mattress toppers You know what? I don't have a mattress topper, but I have every other product. (laughs) you got to get the mattress topper, man. When we moved, uh, we just moved a few months ago. We put the mattress topper on a couple months before we moved and we were like, this is nice. But then when we moved in to our new place, we didn't put the topper on the very first night. And my wife and I both woke up the next morning and looked at each other and said, we got to put that mattress topper on. (laughs) And we had a, a nice mattress. But it's uh it's a whole step above man. It turned my whole mattress into like a brand new mattress. It's you sleep cool, you sleep really well. So being sponsored by, by Mike Lindell, I wanted to throw that out there. You need a topper and to yeah, everybody else watching if you want to sleep well and get amazing rest, use the code DAVID at mypillow.com. You'll save 30% off that mattress topper and you'll get two free pillows. So use the code DAVID at mypillow.com. You'll be supporting Mike Lindell and his uh his patriotic self and you'll be supporting my show. But I just really thank you for introducing me to Mike, uh Jack, because he's been an amazing individual. He's got so much going on behind the scenes. I, I love his products too. Man, I'm telling you, I don't have you just you just talk me in and getting a topper because
1: Mike keeps telling me to get one. He's like, you gotta get a topper. <laughs> What's the size of your bed? I'm like Mike, I I like the pillow because I can't go without the pillow. Um that's one reason I yeah. told the folks at at uh, Liberty University, you know, when you go in and you stay there and they got the my pillows, I was like, listen, I cannot survive without my, my pillow it's the only thing that fits in my neck man and i if you don't
0: have it when you're at a hotel it's miserable brother yeah i love the pillow i love the sheets the sheets, the sheets are amazing i love the towels i just finally got those those are like a chamois those are right. like a cloth, nice fuzzy chamois because when you wipe one time it's like it's dry Dry. So I love that. it all. So if you're going to get a topper, a use the robe. code David when you go to MyPillow.com, all right? <laughs> I told him he needs to make make those
1: towels in the robes, man. They feel so soft.
0: Oh, they <laughs> would. That's a great idea. Okay, so you, you understood Donald Trump as the businessman that he uh, was, is, understood and believed that he would make the right decisions on trade deals for our country, voted for him, voted all Democrats, now three and a half years in. To his first term, how has his policies supported the reason that you voted for him? Uh, above and beyond my
1: expectations. You know, coming off of an administration where I could look back and literally, it's hard to even come up with a real social justice issue uh, that they addressed. And just being wholehearted, I mean, just honestly. And then to look at President Trump, who wasted no time to come in. And give HBCUs funding. He started yes. off his first couple of years giving them as max funding as they needed, and then said, "Hey, what's up? We got to give you long-term funding." And I mean, and and we people talk about HBCUs like a talking point, but it's bigger than a talking point. Uh, you're talking yeah. about historical black colleges and universities. That's that's where that's where African Americans, a lot of times, who would otherwise not have the ability to go to a four-year school, get to go. Uh, the history mm-hmm. that that HBCUs have in our nation, um, we talk about segregation, you talk about rights for African-Americans, some of our greatest leaders in the past have been from HBCUs, the Booker T. Washingtons of the world. I mean, you can go on and on uh, when you look at the impact that HBCUs uh, had then and are still having. And then when you look at even the uh, diaspora, folks coming over here from Africa and Haiti and other other nations where people of color are coming here as as immigrants, Man, the HBCUs is the destination spot. I can't tell you how many friends I have from Africa that came here and went to HBCUs. And so it's so important for the diversity of America. And President Trump needs to get more credit for that because you saw so many HBCUs closing down under the previous administration. And this president gave them that lifeline that they needed. So you know, it's it's policies like that, David, that we talk about. You know, a lot of times you and I both we're in the media and we use these bullets. Uh, but I don't. I hope people understand the real impact that it has on families and it has on on generations of folks that get to go and and actually prosper from these policies of this president.
0: Yeah, I mean, if so you- his policies have been amazing. Uh, how many times have you met with him personally? Do you know? Can you even count anymore? more? I, I don't even know, man, probably 10 or more. I mean, it's, and
1: and he's in his first term. So just think about that access that, you know, a guy like me grew up in Grayvon, Texas, a Democrat all my life, I, I came from parents that didn't even go to college. And then now actually my voice is being heard in the office of the president. The issues that are affecting uh, the black community are being heard in the office of the president. So you, yeah. when you think about it, You know, why why would he why does he want a voice like yours and a voice like mine? Well, this president understands that the very people that the left is talking about. Well, I'm actually serving. them. I'm in the community trying to figure out how to help them. I'm not here to try to make money from the president. I'm not here for financial gain. I'm here to serve. But it's my job as an American. It's my job to serve my brothers and sisters and to also serve my president. Pray for my president and give give him the information that my experiences have allowed me to have. And so that I think I I, my hat goes off to a man like that who will really listen to the people and not just the folks who are giving him big donations or not just the folks that are super superstars and A-list celebrities. President Trump listens to real normal Americans. And that that's what makes him so special.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of that one, the Black Leadership Summit. I think it was last year, or it might have been something else in October that we went. No, I think it was, think it was in October when there was a young girl at the front, in, in the very front, and she raised her hand, and he just waved her up and said, come on up here. And he put her right on the podium and let her speak. Remember that? She was talking oh, about yeah. how we need yeah. Jesus. Yeah. He had no idea what she was going to say, but he's so oh, open God. and willing to trust Individuals that he believes are you know in it for the right reasons. He just he that's what he does. He just continually does that. So, so in clarity too. To a lot of people asked, it was me. What's I, don't that?
1: To, I don't want to interrupt you, but think about what you just said, right? Think about all the times whether we sat at a round table with the president or we did something on his behalf. They've never given us a talking point. They've never even told us what we're going to be talking about. Think about. Right. Think about that. He's the president of the United States of America. He puts the microphones in front of our mouths with no instructions, no directions, just trusting and allowing us to freely talk how we want to talk.
0: It is unbelievable. Yes. And we are so That's unheard busy. of. Like that. It's unheard of. I've got several friends and pastors that have been invited by past presidents to be at events. And they were told, you know, what they could say, what scriptures they could pray. They were given talking points. They had to have whatever they were going to say reviewed and edited by the White House team before they then were given the microphone. And that's what this president brings to the table that is so unlike any past president, at least the last four or five. And I've had an, individuals that, that we both know, like Bishop Harry Jackson, that have spoken uh, at events for the last four or five presidents. It's amazing. It really is. I mean, it's a test. So he's, he's real. He's raw. He's exactly, what I believe, what we need, this country needs right now. My final question to you, Jack, I so appreciate your time today. I, I, I'm 100% in for your initiative and anything I can do to help, I would love to and be honored to. Let me ask you this question. How important is faith to you? And actually, that's my normal, my question, but I actually would love for you to share with my audience today. You had an encounter. You, you had something happen with a good friend of yours that was literally facing death, somebody that was not a believer, somebody that should have died. You've shared that story before. Would you share that story? Because I think you you experiencing that, I believe, was your wake-up moment as well, your revelation for a spiritual awakening. Would you share with my audience what took place, what happened, share the story of your friend and all of it? Definitely, man. You know, I had a really good friend from college
1: who uh, was always probably the craziest guy in the in the room at all times. He was uh, the partier, big, big cokehead, man. He'd do cocaine and, you know, drug addict and drinker, partier, go to Vegas all the time. You know, he was a guy in the strip clubs. I mean, I'll just be honest. That's what he loved to do. Uh so, you know, he's one of those friends where if you got around him, you know you knew you got you gotta like you gotta watch him because you do anything. And uh but he was always my friend. He had my back. I mean he would literally die for me. And I got a call, man, and this was over a year ago. I got a call, and he had fell off the bridge that goes from the the, the Venetian in Vegas. He had fell off of that bridge, man, and landed on his head. And literally, they had to resuscitate him twice, comatose with uh, breathing tubes uh, in his neck. And What's then, that, like a 20, 30 foot bridge? Yeah, yeah, man. It's, 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 he, I don't even know how he lived on the concrete on his head. Man, my goodness! I don't know. I mean, it's a miracle that he even lived. I mean, he his head was the size of a beach ball. Man, it was just swelling, and I mean, it was it was it's horrific. And you know, at first I wasn't gonna go, and then God just kept telling me, "Man, go there, go there, go there, go there." So uh, after after several days, I just booked a flight and I just went to Vegas and. I got. I get there and it's, you know, he's in the ICU unit where it's like, you got to do passcodes and everything. So I basically get through the door and I'm nervous. And I and the nurse was just like, the way she looked at me was just like, it's not good. And I walk in and there's no one else there. It's me and him and I'm next to him. And I didn't know what to do. He obviously couldn't talk. I mean, he was completely out. And God just said, he just took me over. And I just started asking, calling out to God to cast the demons out of him. And Wow. You know, literally, uh, it felt like my feet lifted off the ground, man, and you know, I could literally see the flashes of demons coming out of this 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 man's body, man. And man, it was one of the most, it was the craziest experience of my life. And as I was doing that, I don't even know how many times I said, "Cast a demon," and felt it felt like I was there for five minutes saying it. All of a sudden, it's like I came to, and a few seconds later his hand lifted up about six inches off the bed. <laughs> I mean, I tell you, since chills in my spine, and I grab Ooh. his hand and he squeezes my hand. And wow. Man, 10 days later, he walks out of the hospital. <laughs> wow. He looked like and he was 80. Yeah, you mad him, met you him. Him. He looked like he was 80 years old when, when he was sitting there in that bed. And he, you saw how he looks he walked out of the hospital. Don't forget, he had broken, he had, they had, they had dinner. a partial hip replacement. He had broken a, a bone in his leg. So for him to walk on that little thing, I mean, this is crazy, man. Nothing but God. And what it did for me, David, if it, it really it showed me the power of God. It showed me yeah. when you read through, you know, Matthew and you read through the gospels, you read through John, and, and Jesus tells us that we have the power to heal through him. He took me over and delivered healing powers through me. And how, how can I not believe? I mean, now I feel so fortunate to even have an opportunity like that, that my faith is not questioned. I can't waver. And so I think when you talk about spirituality, sometimes we are lost and we are in the world and some things are happening and we and we take our sight off God and we, and we forget that it really is everything that's happening to us is God working through us, right? When we bless, blessed, yeah. we wake up every day, we have successful families or things go good in our lives or even some things that go bad that we think are bad. God works through us. And sometimes we think it's us and we forget that it's him. And that's what I was doing in my life. I was forgetting that he was really the power. And that's what he showed me that day that he is almighty. Mm-hmm. No matter who I think I am or what I think I'm going to be able to do or what I accomplish, nothing gets done unless it's through him. Mm-hmm. And he showed me that his powers are much greater than I can even imagine. I would have yeah. never even imagined Dave walking out of that. And his family wouldn't have imagined him walking out of there in 10 days. No one would have. But God did. And God had the power to do it. And so for me, uh, it forever changed my life. I've been ordained as an evangelist and I preach the gospel. I preach in the prisons and I go everywhere and I try to to influence and encourage
0: people uh, to keep their eye on the Lord, man. So powerful. And I remember I remember him sharing his story that when he was, you know, in a coma or he was unconscious or whatever, that he actually had some kind of spiritual. He knew you were there. And he shared that it was it was either you or it was like Jesus that he felt like he saw. And this is not a believer in any way, shape or form. But he had some kind of an encounter in that moment when you were praying for him as well. His spirit was aware of what was taking place. And it's it's pretty much changed his life, too, hasn't it? Yes, it has. I mean, he's
1: like when I, when I talked to him, he didn't know I was there. He said he had it was his lucid dreams. And he said in his spirit. He he saw someone that looked like me, but I look like a God man is what he said. He <laughs> was like, and he's a funny guy. Like he's not a like Dave is not a guy who's gonna say, you know, he's not gonna talk spiritual because he's gonna he he would normally think that's kind of weird. So he's a straight, yeah. straight shooter as it gets. And so, like for him to have an encounter like that spiritually and for God to, in the Holy Spirit to take his body over when he was in that state, and then 10 yeah. days later to walk out. I mean, bro, wow. I I lived a miracle. God worked a miracle through my hands and I will be forever grateful. And I am a faithful servant of Christ Jesus.
0: Well, I would just love for anybody that's watching or listening right now that maybe feels like they're dealing with anything from trauma to anxiety to addiction to depression to whatever it is. Jack, I definitely know that God has worked through you. He's uh, he's used you mightily for uh, for a lot of things, and, and obviously that is just the tip of the iceberg—the one that you just shared. But would you pray for everybody watching or listening right now? Just whatever you feel God uh, leads you to pray. Would you do that? Yes, I will, David. And I also invite anyone if
1: they can always join. Our we have a free—we don't ask for money. We do a prayer call every Tuesday, so I'll send you that information uh, as well. But, but Heavenly mm-hmm. Father, I ask right now that you bless this show. Uh, And bless this platform, dear God, to continue to stand for you. This is unique as we're fighting this spiritual warfare, and there's so much information that goes out uh, to the airways uh, that is ungodly, dear God. Uh, We just ask that you bless us, bless those ones who are soldiers like David, like this show and so many people that are watching right now. Uh, Put your hands over us. Put the hands of protection over us. Give us the strength. Give us the wisdom. Uh, and also give us the courage to go out and speak more boldly for you, Father. You know, I know sometimes yes. we may not want to say Jesus out loud. Sometimes we may not always feel comfortable to talk about our religious beliefs, uh, dear God. But you know, we know that you told us to spread the good news, dear God. You gave us those instructions uh, on magnifying uh, your name and your voice and saying Jesus Christ uh, on top of the hills, dear God. And just give us the courage and the strength and the understanding. Uh, to do that. Also, God, when you put things on our heart, give us the courage and the strength to act on them. Uh, If that's serving someone, if that's encouraging someone, God, when you put things on our heart, take away that hesitation. I know so many of us hesitate uh, when we feel the Holy Spirit. Give us that bravery to go on uh, and put your will out before the earth. God, we just give you all the honor. We give you all the glory and the praise. And we just yes. ask that we also pray for our leaders, pray for President Trump, yes. Vice President Pence, and everyone in the administration. they God, Democrats and Republicans. they God. Yes. And as we close out, uh, just keep us all uh, balanced and in sound mind. Let us lean to the word because we know John and 1 says, John one and 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We must lean on the word to keep you front and center. Dear God, just continue to put that on our heart. Let us remember to pray for our enemies, Uh, even those that we disagree with. As we see riders in our streets, let's pray for them. As we see folks uh, that are in in community shooting at each other, let's pray for them. As we see people who put hate and counsel culture out, we know that to counsel is to destroy. And the devil seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. We ask that you just uh, bring blessings and peace on their heart and let us pray for our enemies. And we ask you all these things in Jesus' most mighty name. Amen.
0: Amen. My brother. Woo. That was good. Well, Amen. Jack, thank you so much jo- uh, for joining me on the show today. Uh, feel God's presence all over that prayer. Hopefully, if you're watching or listening right now, you prayed with us and with Jack and you received something from God. And hopefully you'll take that and you'll take your own next steps as well. And can you share where can people get information on your Tuesday night Bible studies? If you just go to my Instagram, I
1: always put a, a link that you can just swipe up. It's on, it's a zoom call. I and mean, then we, you know, we praise Jesus and we it's pretty free and pretty open. So people give their testimonies and it's just a good, good time to be around uh, non-judgmental people of Christ from all levels. And it's just, you know, a lot of love and family, man. And your Instagram is Jack I'm Brewer sorry, Jack. BSI. Yes. You're better at this, David.
0: Jack Brewer BSI. <laughs> So get there to his Instagram, and if you don't, if they, if they don't have Instagram, how else could they find out about your prayer, uh, your Tuesday night prayer call? Also on Facebook, so you can go to Facebook, and I'll send
1: I'll send out the link, uh, and it's just Jack Brewer. Uh, you can look me up. I always put the link on. It's every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Bible study, prayer, and worship. I try to send out the Bible
0: verses that we go over about an hour. Before we start, amazing. Well, my brother, it was so good to have you on. Thank you for all that you're doing, not just for this president, but for our country, uh, for the prison the prisoners that get to see you and and hear you, for all the children that you're helping and feeding and taking care of, and for what you're doing for the kingdom, brother. You are truly a blessing. We need you. And I just pray God would continue to advance you, open new doors, new realms of opportunity, and that He would blow you away with the absolute abundance of avenues for you to that he's going to bring you into that are that are going to have a much bigger impact, just a hundredfold impact to everything that you're already doing. So bless you, Jack. I really, truly love you as a brother. Thank you so much. Love you, too, man. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome, David. All right. My pleasure and my honor and privilege. We'll do it again soon. So friends, there you have right there, absolutely an amazing individual that is in the thick of it. He's in the fight. He needs your support. Pray for him. And hopefully you did that. Uh, you prayed with us as well. Please share this broadcast, share this uh, podcast on uh, on to 10, 15, 20 friends. Uh, help us spread the word about the truths that you're not hearing on the mainstream media. David J. Harris Jr. here. Don't forget to go to MyPillow.com. And use the code David. You'll save up to 60% on whatever you choose, 30% on the mattress topper with two free pillows. Use the code David at MyPillow.com. God bless you. We'll talk to you all again soon. Bye-bye.